to PCOM Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Feldstein, and today I'm joined by Dr. Peter Biddy, the newly appointed Dean of the Osteopathic Medicine Program at PCOM in Philadelphia. Dr. Biddy has been a PCOM faculty member since 2012 and most recently served as the Vice Chair of the Department of Family Medicine since 2018. He previously served as Medical Director of Family Medicine and Assistant Dean of Clinical Curricular Integration. He also previously held roles as clerkship director and co-course director for various ambulatory family medicine and primary care skills courses. Dr. Biddy is a native Philadelphian as well as an alumnus of the college. On June 1st of this year, Dr. Biddy assumed his role as Dean of the Osteopathic Medicine Program, replacing the college's longest tenured Dean, Dr. Kenneth Veit. With osteopathic medicine poised for continued growth and advancements, in technology and medicine driving the future of healthcare, Dr. Biddy assumes his new leadership role an exciting but challenging precipice for the college. Today, Dr. Biddy and I will discuss his vision for the program and what he hopes to achieve as Dean, what students and faculty can anticipate from his leadership, and how we can continue to keep important issues like diversity and mental health at the forefront of our students' educational experience. Welcome to the show, Pete. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. So I got a couple questions for you. First, congratulations on your new role as Dean. Can you talk about your background and what excites you most about this new opportunity? Sure. Um, I grew up in Philadelphia, as, as uh, was previously said. Uh, my dad was a Philly police officer. My mom kind of stayed at home in the beginning and helped raise us. And then we uh, she took care of us uh, to the point where we were kind of going in school and she was a secretary as well. And I had a PCOM connection early. I just I just didn't know about it. My family doctor is actually Murray Brand, and he's a PCOM grad. Uh, and I actually he was the first person I ever shadowed with, and and things along those lines. And what ended up happening was uh, I went to Holy Ghost Prep for high school. I went to Duquesne for college, and I came back to PCOM. And I was lucky enough to uh, meet my wife here. So PCOM's always been pretty good to me from that realm. And then I started working for PCOM. So I started uh, in the healthcare centers. Uh, I'm sorry, I did my residency actually before that with PCOM to throw that one in. And what happened was that when I came back and worked, I, I worked in the healthcare centers. Um, and then I uh, ended up going and working with the family medicine residency again through PCOM. Uh, and I was a DME as well. And then I came back and was the vice chair, the assistant dean. And, and now I'm uh, the dean. And uh, the, the funny thing is, excluding college, I think I calculated it. I haven't really moved more than 15 miles from where I was born. Uh, I was actually in St. Agnes in, in Philadelphia. And, and the thing that I like about it is it kind of tells people about my roots. And when I kind of think about this, and I don't want to get too much off track, but I kind of started thinking about gardening when I thought about this question. And when I kind of thought about it is if you have a good set of roots, you know, no matter what happens, if there's storms, if there's trauma, if there's emergencies, you can kind of get through whatever you need. And that's the thing that excites me most about PCOM. I have great roots here. We have great faculty, staff, friends, and my colleagues. I've met my mentors here, uh, Dr. Becker, Dr. Kuo, Dr. Sesso, Dr. Mars, Dr. Veit, Dr. D'Angelo, Dr. Hingley, Dr. McGinnis. I literally can name every faculty member that's still here. Um, and many of them have taught me, and I wouldn't be here without them. So with this great people who kind of tended to my roots and, and my garden, the exciting part is I get to kind of give back now. Uh, I get to tend to the garden of PCOM. I get to serve those who have served me. 
and I get to allow it to aid in, in its growth and its flourishing. So you're taking the reins of the DO program, the college's largest, and are succeeding the college's longest tenured dean. How do you manage expectations with a job that comes with such a built-in level of history and responsibility? And how do you plan to incorporate your own unique perspective? It's a tough one. Uh, I have to admit, uh, I'm tall, but Dr. Veit has left some pretty gigantic shoes to fill. It's truly an honor uh, to be chosen uh, by the institution to lead in this role. And I don't take this responsibility lightly. So first and foremost, I just keep reminding myself, I'm not Dr. Veit. Nobody can be Dr. Veit. He's amazing. Uh, but at the same time, everybody has your unique approach in life and their decisions. And whatever mine were, the institution has chosen in me. So I got to keep reminding of myself that there's certain things that I can bring to the table. And, and that idea of the table is kind of what I dwell on. When I make decisions, I know I can't know everything. So what I try to do is get the most information from the biggest group of people to come to that consensus uh, and try to get as much knowledge as I can to try to see where we're going. And that kind of brings me to the analogy of uh, what I actually brought in my application speech as the dean, of thinking of the dean as kind of a general contractor. So I've been trying to think about these roles and what I do, and, and, and contractors don't work alone. So when I think of the luxury of what I have the aid in this is I have people like Dr. Veit, uh, Dr. Sesso, the people that have been here before are still to aid me when I need them in times. But to expand upon this analogy, uh, I go back to that this old house, which has been used before in, in many different things and even in our most recent digest. Um, and when I think about it, uh, I think the tradition of PCM is what makes us unique. But my job is to bring us into the future. So when you renovate something, you kind of have two options. I could blow it up. You could start completely anew. Uh, it has its perks. You know, all the plumbing is new. All the electrical is new. There's nothing hiding between any walls because, well, you blew up all the walls. Uh, but sometimes, and, and this is just my opinion, an institution like this, you kind of lose the character, uh, the traditions and the institutional knowledge. So whether it's the wood floors, the wood casing, or the moldings that you would think about, uh, those woods, those metals, the craftsmanship, well, it doesn't even exist anymore. So I feel like my role and what I strive to do is to protect some of these things, to protect the things that make PCOM PCOM, but I could still bring it to the new, bring us to the new codes, innovate the new things with new technologies, theories, things that were never even existed before when we were thinking of this kinds of stuff, but not forgetting those who come before me and spent so much time crafting it. So the next question is a two-part question. As we know, medical education can be demanding and stressful. How do you plan to prioritize student well-being and mental health and ensure that students have access to the necessary support systems and resources to take care of themselves? That's the first part. And the second part is diversity inclusion are at the core of what we do here at PCOM. How do you plan to promote diversity among our students and faculty and ensure that the learning environment is inclusive for everyone? So sadly, with a two-part question, I don't think brevity is an option. So I've got a multiple-part answer to both of them. <laughs> That's worried. <that's> <laughs> but uh, first, I, I just want to say thanks to people like you, uh, especially when it comes to mental health and well-being. I actually think we have a pretty good program set up. Uh, when you think about it, whether you're a student, whether you're an employee, whether you're on campus from afar, we have services that can go to you. But I want to kind of aid in this. So first and foremost. 
I want to open up some communication lines. Uh, my wife's a child licensed psychiatrist, so I get a lot of this at home. But I think when you think about anxiety and stress, it often increases with the unknown and that that dooming unknown of what's going to happen. So from my end at the comm, I want to make sure the faculty, the staff, and the students know that to the best of my ability, I want to communicate this to you. I want to be proactive versus retroactive in getting out the information about what's happening and kind of what I'm thinking as it affects you in the comm. Uh, a good example would be I want to start setting up weekly meetings with just random students and faculty, go out to get a coffee or something in the cafeteria, and just kind of keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on and how can I help. Likewise, I want to collaborate and expand with many of the amazing things we currently have on campus. Uh, we have community wellness initiatives. We have um, mental uh, health and wellness task force. We have a whole psychology department. We have a positive psychology school. All these things, I think, in collaboration can be brought to the table uh, and kind of expand upon them on the calm level. When I think about it, one of the examples of, of an early thought I had was to set up some small group uh, opportunities to kind of have people that are in similar situations kind of get together and realize, well, we're not alone. And sometimes you can learn from those types of people how they're dealing with things that kind of help you. And last but not least, it's been a crazy couple of years coming out of COVID and where we're currently at. And one of the things that I think the comm has that's so unique is we have students and faculty that participate in different mentoring groups. And I want to expand upon these. And I kind of want to set up some times where in those mentoring groups, you can have wellness initiatives occur. When I kind of think about it, I tell students all the time that one hour a day, at some point, you have to do something that makes you feel human. We have tough jobs. As physicians, you see terrible things sometimes. And if you start to lose that grounding, that, that central part of your life, you start losing yourself. So that's my way of building that in. When it comes to the diversity inclusion uh, area, um, I think the idea of the question of saying core is, is really the key part there. I don't think diversity and inclusion works where you're kind of making a small section here and there. And I think PCOM has done an amazing job at allowing it to permeate through everything that we do. Um, and and as, a, as a comm dean, one of the areas that I do have oversight of is the curriculum. So I plan to support and allow for intertwining of these topics throughout the curriculum and the continuum, as well as bring it into the realm of both uh, faculty and staff development. Uh, also, as I stated before, well, I don't know everything. Uh, so luckily, actually, um, Dr. Marcin Pickeron-Davis actually um, contacted me recently and helped nominate me for uh, a course at Penn State uh, that is doing a holistic reimagining of recruitment, mentoring, and retention of racial minorities faculty. And I'm actually going to be attending this symposium in the fall to get some new information on that. And then last but not least, I have to give a, a shout out to our healthcare centers. I work in them. I'm not going to lie. It's probably the highlight of my week from time to time when I get to see my patients and work with the students. Uh, but I think diversity and inclusion is done so well at the community level. And in Philadelphia, we have a unique experience of our healthcare centers. So I want to continue to build upon these and work with our community wellness initiative groups, uh, as well as increase our student interaction within the community as well, because that's the people that we serve. And I can't think of a more diverse and inclusive community that exists. Great answers. Thank you. Thank you. If you don't mind, I had a couple questions for you. I don't mind. All right. So, so one would be, what do you think are the biggest opportunities for PCOM over the next three 
five or 10 years. And then at the same time, what about some challenges? Got a week? <laughs> I have as much time as you want. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I think from an opportunity standpoint, you know, we we have the opportunity, from my perspective, not only to be the, the best osteopathic medical school in the country, but just the best medical school in the country, to turn out the best doctor and healthcare providers that we can, whether it's a DO, a PA, a pharmacist, a clinical psychologist, a PT, whatever our programs are, just to really strive to turning out the best educated healthcare professionals we can. And we have an opportunity, that's not to say we don't do that now, but I think it's really a chance to do it and tell the story nationwide. I think we have an opportunity to go beyond being a regional player in terms of Pennsylvania, Mid-Atlantic, and Georgia, and the Southern region, but really to be a national player. And we're going to have to be, because over the next three to five and 10 years, one of the challenges is there's less people going to college, and there's going to be less people to applying to health professional schools. And also one of our challenges, we're the victim of our own success, that 25% of all physicians today are osteopathic physicians. And every day you turn around, there's another osteopathic medical school popping up. And part of the challenges, are we going to have clinical training opportunities for them as undergrads? And are we going to have enough graduate medical education? And I think one of the things we're trying to do successfully is how do we ensure clinical rotations and graduate medical education? And whether it's in Philadelphia or in Georgia, we've got to continue to have solid clinical partnerships for experiential learning and graduate medical education. And if that goes beyond clinical core campuses to where we actually are financially invested as limited partners, like we did with Chestnut Hill, we're gonna to continue to grow that. And I think we've got more opportunities in Pennsylvania and a lot of opportunities in Georgia. And I also want us to grow our, our clinics, our healthcare centers, both in Philadelphia and to create one or two in Georgia. So that's where I land in, in the 10 years. Who knows what's going to happen in, in 10 years? I think it sounds like a great plan. And I'm just so happy that they're on your radar because of the stuff that keeps me up at night. So I'm glad we're, we're all working as a community on it. So more and more, um, we're seeing the mainstreaming of holistic health care. But osteopathic medicine has been holistic from the beginning. How do we continue to forward the osteopathic philosophy and maintain our identity in this sort of environment? You know, I say it every day, we're the profession celebrating our 125th anniversary. We'll celebrate our 125th anniversary in January. We've been practicing holistic medicine for 125 years. The rest of the world has finally caught up and co-opted. I mean, you can't go anywhere without somebody referring to holistic care or total patient care. But we've just got to continue to do it better than anybody else. We've got to branch out into community health. We really need to be a leader in community health. We do that through our health centers and our community wellness initiatives. And we really need to focus on social determinants of health. And we've got to really integrate that in to our healthcare delivery. Obviously, want to continue to teach and have people practice manipulative, osteopathic manipulative medicine and just expand and practice more what we preach and drive more preventive medicine 
into holistic medicine, whether it's diet, exercise, mental health, and sleep. I mean, the foundations of health need to be incorporated into holistic care, and we need to concentrate on that. So we differentiate ourselves from our other healthcare provider brethren, whether it be MDs or, as you know, healthcare extenders. I mean, nurse practitioners and PAs, they provide 51% of the primary care in this country. So we really need to continue to differentiate ourselves as we're going to be successful. As you noted earlier, I'm succeeding in historic dean and Dr. Fight. In fact, our history is a big part of what makes PCM so special. Can you talk about the role history plays and how you approach your job as the president? Yeah, I think you answered it well. You know, we have a tremendous legacy here. So I look back on the previous seven presidents and I'm the eighth. And it's an amazing legacy and, and where we are today. I mean, the future's bright, albeit challenging. And I want to make sure that I can do everything in my power, that we're around for another 125 years. But I think it's important to draw the distinction of honoring the past, but not living in the past. And we have to be forward thinking, whether it's incorporating artificial intelligence into the curriculum, into how we support students, into how we take care of patients, you know, cutting edge research, we have to be forward thinking. And we just can't sit on laurels and say, well, that's always how we've done it. Well, that may have worked for the first 125 years. It's not going to work for the next 125 years. So this is a very serious question. But as you may know, I'm a proud mummer and have been since I was a little kid. As one Philly guy to another, what's your favorite Philly tradition and why? Well, as a native Philadelphian as well, and an avid sports fan, my favorite Philadelphia tradition is the fact that we love to boo. And we do it because it comes from a place of passion and love. And I was, you know, scarred in 1964 when the Phillies blew a 10-game lead and lost the pen and didn't go to the World Series. But we let professional athletes know it when they're performing poorly. And we don't accept poor performance. We have high expectations. So we'll keep booing, but I will say I've never booed a mummer, and you know, hopefully I never will. I appreciate it, and I'll try to keep you that way as a whole. Dr. Biddy, thank you for joining us today. The osteopathic medicine program at PCOM has had a rich legacy over the last 124 years, and we continue to train some of the most competent and skilled physicians in the country. As the college approaches its 125th anniversary, Dr. Biddy's leadership and vision for the program will guide us into the next 125 years. And I look forward to working closely with him and the exceptional faculty of our DO program to develop the next generation of osteopathic physicians. Thanks again for being here. To listen to past episodes of this podcast and become a subscriber, visit our SoundCloud page or find us on iTunes by searching Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. I'm Dr. Jay Feldstein, and this has been PCOM Perspectives. <laughs>